Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. There comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello and welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Far podcast. Today I'm talking to Balaji Oyeji Day. Hi Balaji, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really, really excited. I'm a big fan. So my story is a bit of an interesting one. I grew up in Nigeria. I currently live in the United States, though. I'm a big comic book fan, as we'll probably (laughs) explore. I'm a father of two amazing young superheroes. They are 12 and 8 years old, very happily married. I'm a soccer coach, and I have the honor of traveling around the world to talk to kids about superheroes and self-discovery. Well, if if that doesn't get everyone on the edge of their seat to begin with, then I don't know what else is. There's 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 everything in there. You've got soccer, you've got superheroes, you've got travel, you've got just about everything that you could possibly need. So that's that's very very exciting. Um, so well, let's let's dive straight in from there then. So, what does your life look like now, and how is it different from when you were growing up? And I would imagine that's going to start with the fact that you're living in a completely different country. Living in a completely different country, yes. I came to the United States when I was 17 years old, so I was still you know, a, a wee lad at the time. I, I grew up in Nigeria, so all of my formative years were there. But it's been interesting being able to grow up in two worlds because I have the benefit of being able to pull from my cultural roots in Nigeria and learn from some of the wonderful culture that we have here in the United States. And so uh, as a father here in the U.S., uh, it's interesting because I've been an author. I've written uh, 50 superhero books now. They're kid superhero books that help teach kids confidence and self-esteem and character. But that wasn't always my career. That's not what I went to school for. (laughs) I got a computer science degree in undergrad. I got a marketing MBA degree. I worked in a corporate job for many years. But one of the interesting or pivotal things for me was that even though my, my formal Uh, academic career, my formal studies sent me in one direction. There were a lot of experiences from my childhood that actually had me inclined to move in a completely different direction. But I wasn't bold enough to pursue that other direction until I actually got forced. I was laid off from my corporate job about eight years ago, and that started me on the journey that I'm on today. And Tell us a little bit about um, the journey from Nigeria over to the U.S. Was that um, something you had a say in? Was it something your family did? Or, or what was what was the story behind that? 
Oh, brilliant question. So I, I grew up in a sleepy university town in Nigeria. Both of my parents are doctors and university professors. I went to a great uh, elementary school, primary school, and secondary school as well. I'm so used to calling it elementary school <laughs> since I'm in the U.S., but it, growing up in Nigeria, it's very much like the British educational system, so we did call it primary and secondary school. When I was about 16 years old, though, my father had the opportunity to travel across the world. My mom did as well for work, and so my dad, he's working in the U.S. for a few months, and he calls home, and he says, hey, you you know, what do you think about going to school, going to college in the United States after you finish secondary school? I'm like, are you kidding? What <laughs> kid doesn't want to go to America? Come on. That's the land of milk and honey. I heard that the roads are paved with gold, you know, virtually. Um, and so I was like, yes, I want to do it. So I took the SATs. I was very fortunate to perform well, and I earned a full scholarship to a school in Atlanta, Georgia. So we packed up all the bags. My parents shipped me off. I actually, at that, when I came to the U.S., I had no family in America. And so after landing at the airport in Atlanta, this was 1993, I, I took a taxi right to the college campus, excited as all get out. It was my first time being away from home. You know, I, I'd never even gone camping before this. And then I traveled halfway across the world. But But when I got to the the college campus something was off something was like different about it and i couldn't put my finger on it for a couple of hours it took me a couple of hours to realize there were no girls anywhere on the campus and i was like dad <laughs> you set me up he sent me to an all male college I guess he didn't care. As long as it was a full scholarship, he was like, look, that's where they're they're giving you money, so that's where you're going. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I could just imagine that internal dialogue as well. That's just great. It's just like, oh, I see where this has gone and, and why, why he's done It's like four years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time. I'm heading to the main street. I'm going downtown straight away. And then... <laughs> that's right. Now, fortunately for me, they had an all girls college right across the street and so it turns out that my wife we met freshman year she went to that all-girls college so you know it turned out pretty well yeah they are there's destiny taking its course right there for you <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting mark because even though i uh, studied computer science uh, at this college, Morehouse College is the name of the school. It's a small school, but it's actually the school that Martin Luther King Jr. attended. Um, for Marvel movie fans, it's the school that Samuel L. Jackson attended. <laughs> <laughs> but um, even though I studied computer science there, and I ended up, I'm currently not in that field any longer, I think it's interesting to say that the fact that I was very studious in secondary school. The, it allowed me to get good grades and to perform well on the SATs. The fact that I did well on the SATs allowed me to earn a full scholarship to a college in the US and get a wonderful education, meet my wife, right? Yeah. Now, even though the, the degree that I earned at that college, I'm currently not using, I did use it for well over a decade. But the, the thing that I think uh, one thing that a lot of young people miss sometimes when they find themselves in a classroom 
that they're, they maybe don't find particularly inspiring. It's awesome when you get those inspiring teachers, but not every one of them is going to, you know, kind of light the switch for you like that. Even in those environments, if you're able to still take advantage and make the most of it, you give yourself options. So if I, if I had checked out of a number of my classes in secondary school, I might not have gotten that scholarship. If I hadn't gotten that scholarship, I wouldn't have come over to the United States and I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have now. And I think I think the real takeaway from there, and, and it's an interesting one, sort of when we have teenage children in our house, and it's that sense of if you see it as an opportunity, if you see it as a gift rather than just something you have to do, then it kind of has a completely different momentum about it, doesn't it? Like like you say, you know, it you don't know where it's going to take you. And actually just by doing what you're, what you're asked to do, studying in a way that you do, being studious about it, you don't know where that direction is. And like I say, it may not even take you in a direction you think it's going to be anyway. But it's going to give you more than just checking out and just turning up for the sake of it. That's true. That's true. It, it absolutely gives you options. And it's funny, a, a lot of us sort of think, not even just young people, but, but it's human nature for us to, to sort of simplify things in our mind. We feel like the, the shortest path from A to B is a straight line. And in theory, yes, it's a straight line. But as we parents know, basically as you get older and you get more life experience and you experience more failure and frustration, you realize that, okay, point A is here point b is there but there is no straight line i've got to meander and wind and go back and forth and take multiple steps backwards and struggle and fail and eventually i might even realize that b is not where i want to end up this journey along the path might actually show me you know what i actually want to go to c so we can't skip the journey part. We can't. My kids will often say, I wish I could teleport, right? <laughs> and I've said that stuck in traffic multiple times. But the things you're going to see along the journey, Mark, are actually going to change who you are and might actually change where you want to end up. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And we talk a lot on this podcast about passion and following some innate understanding of what it is you want. And I think I think those two things go hands in hand. Like you say, if you feel passionate about something, then it will draw you in that way. You'll find opportunities. You'll meet people that uh, yes. can mentor you and support you. But the chances are it doesn't take you in that sort of intellectual way of where you're going, if that kind of makes sense. I I, um, I went to music college, but didn't necessarily go to the music college I thought I was going to be going to, and I didn't end up, my career's not exactly as I would have imagined it might have been. I've done lots of other different things. Um, and and But inside of there, the, the, if I sort of understood the fact that it's the feeling of being a musician, it's the feeling of presenting, it's the feeling of being engaged with people that I love, then the hard part is then allowing the rest of it to take care of itself. And I guess that's the slightly scary bit. And the bit that is hard is when you're growing up because what yes. you're after is certainty and understanding. Yes, and that's the one thing yes. that's, that's not there for you, really. And it's the embracing it. that, which is key. That's it. That's it. Oh, that 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 is powerful. What you've shared right there, Mark. That that desire for certainty. We we all want that. It's fascinating because I remember being a, a kid who performed well academically. I always thought, as a teenager, that I was going to be a young prodigy. I thought, Mark, that I was going to be like a Mark Zuckerberg before I even knew that name. <laughs> 
right? I felt like, okay, look, I'm pretty smart. You know, some stuff comes to me easily. I got into computer programming at a young age as well. My mom had me going to uh, computer lessons after school. I learned programming. I was like, okay, you know, I'm 21, 20. By the time I'm 25, you know, first million. I'm not really worried about being famous, but I'm going to do some things. I'm going to do some things. And the thing is, when I hit 25 and those accomplishments weren't rolling in, I started to, I was having like a quarter life crisis almost. <laughs> like, like, what is going on? I'm used to being the top of the class. I'm, I have all these grand visions for myself. Why is it not all panning out? And this, you know, I graduated college in 97, the late 90s. We didn't have the internet or social media yet. Our kids Mark, are growing up in an age of anxiety because they're seeing people on Instagram who their age or younger who apparently have all of this success and who apparently have found the magic bullet, the, 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 the easy button. And it becomes frustrating when our kids put in the work and they don't see the results. They're like, you know, I, I've worked at this for three months, for six months. Why am I not, why am I not blowing up? Why am I not famous? It, you know, I don't want to have to work for 20 years or 30 years. What, what's wrong with me? So I actually had those sort of struggles before realizing that there is no easy button. The, the, the Instagram highlights that we see are, are just that. They are people's highlights. Nobody posts their lowlights. <laughs> they don't post the hundred things they tried that didn't work. They just post maybe the one thing that did. And unfortunately, we also have a number of people that are faking it on social media such that our young kids now feel like, if I don't do it fast, if I don't get that success quickly, then I'm somehow deficient. And that's just not the case. And and that's exactly why I think that creating this podcast was really important for me, was just to have that real sense of the people I'm talking to, just like you, you know, you're able to share these journeys, these understandings, these stories. And so people start to get that common sense of actually this is the reality. And it's a, it's a thread that comes through week after week, that sense of the hard work, the, the, the twists and turns, the, the real understanding that actually you just do what you do and the rest of it takes care of itself. And it's really hard, like you say, because everyone's just conditioned now to be watching other people and, yeah. and comparing themselves. But actually if you can just have that turn off switch even if it's an emotional one to understand and take it for what it is then it really gives you a chance to be you and that's essentially the person you want to show up in the world mm, very true so what was valuable about your school experience oh man you know, it's very serendipitous mark because i'm actually preparing to go to a secondary school reunion I graduated from secondary school 23 years ago. I'm about to see about 50 of my classmates that I haven't seen in that span. And so it's taking me back to when I was a 17-year-old kid. And man, all these memories. But you know, the wonderful thing about the human brain is that there's this thing called nostalgia. And we often will romanticize the good bits <laughs> of, <laughs> of our distant past and maybe forget some of the painful parts. But you know, some of those painful parts actually made us who we are today. So when I was going through secondary school, not so much primary school, because in primary school, I was a pre-adolescent. I was a carefree kid. Now, I was, I was always sort of reserved. I'm an introvert by nature, but after I hit puberty and I became painfully aware that of other people's uh, uh, apparent opinions of me, 
I became very, very shy. I'm talking about painfully shy. I'm talking about social anxiety shy. And that actually defined a lot of my my teen years. Uh, I felt like a lot of my other friends around me, my guy friends, were they were more outgoing, more confident. They came up with the, the funny lines and they could talk to the, the young ladies. And, and I would always come up with the best witty comebacks, like like six hours <laughs> after the coat i was like man why didn't i say that and i just felt like man what's wrong with me in the classroom yo i got it going on i take care of business in the classroom but outside the classroom i felt like the dullard i felt like the butt of the joke and i was like i feel like i'm broken mark now you know teenagers tend to have strong strong feelings okay uh, you know everything is amplified when your your hormones are raging and you're going through that phase of life but i really felt like something was broken with me mark and this is where comic books come in for me because the even though i grew up in nigeria half a world away we still got marvel and dc comic books every week and the story of peter parker Mark, was my story. Even though I wasn't a white kid growing up in Brooklyn, New York, I'd never been to New York. I was a, a, a brown kid growing up in Nigeria, but that was my story because Peter Parker was awkward. Peter Parker was picked on. He was made fun of. He was smart, but nobody cared. And even despite all that, despite being the butt of the joke, when he gained superpowers, he found the need to use those powers to lift other people up. And I was like, I don't know what my superpowers are, Mark, but there's hope for me. Like when I discover my superpowers, I'm gonna be able to help somebody out. I'm gonna be able to change the world. And so, yes, I studied all of the literary classics. I studied Shakespeare, um, uh, goodness, C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, my favorite book. I read a lot of uh, fantasy fiction. I read uh, Enid Blyton, I read it all. But the story of Spider-Man, the story of Peter Parker at, at age 12 is what got me through those tough periods. And when I became a dad, I said, you know what? I don't want my kids to ever have to go 10 years, 20 years struggling to, to value themselves, struggling to appreciate the abilities, the superpowers that they have, the things that make them special. It took me probably into my early 20s, Mark, before I really became comfortable in my skin, before I realized, no, you're not a type A alpha male, you know, but the world needs people just like you. The world needs introverts. It took me probably until I was 21 to realize that. But once I did realize that, boom, it was lights out. I was like, I'm going to own this. I'm not I'm going to stop trying to be who I'm not because the world actually needs me. So my school years, I had have so many wonderful memories. I also have those memories of being that awkward kid. But I had to go through that that struggle. I had to go through that that churn in order to become who I am today. And I think that's a really important message, isn't it? Is the fact that the struggles or the, or the supposed disappointments or anything along those lines, you think, oh, but it's not working out for me. But they might actually be integrally the part of this makes you who you are and they're the lessons that you learn. And the other thing which I really liked about what you said is the fact that 
you don't actually know necessarily when that sort of light bulb moment might happen. You know, yes, I want it. I want it now. I'm impatient. I'm the worst person in the world. I'm impatient for everything all the time. And I, and I just know that it just takes time and something happens. You know, you're waiting for the whole universe to work for you, you know, in lots of ways. And, and you know, there's a bigger conversation there about how all that works. But it's certainly the fact that sometimes the stars just need to align because you need to be with this person and understand this and that needs to happen. And you just have to be patient, and that's that's mm-hmm. that's that's hard as a team, as as we all know. Very, very, very hard. Somebody somebody told me once, um, Eric Eric Thomas, he's a he's a speaker here in the United States, and he said it takes 21 years to be 21 years old. He said it take it takes 21 years. Like as a kid, I remember always wanting to be older. When I was seven, I couldn't wait to be 10. When I was 10, I couldn't wait to be 16. When I was 16, I was like, oh, I'm too young. I can't wait to be 21. But no matter who you are, you can't speed it up. It takes everybody 21 years to be 21. And so a lot of us, we have goals that we want to accomplish, but there's a certain amount of, if not necessarily chronological time, a certain amount of experience or a certain number of things that need to happen, certain number of boxes that need to be checked. And if all those boxes haven't been checked, then you can't actually turn the page. You can't get to the next, the next chapter. But often we just want to skip ahead without checking those boxes. It's human nature. <laughs> it's human nature. Absolutely, and 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 sometimes those boxes and the, and those those things you go round and round and round till you realise that you have some choice in some of those as well, don't you? Which is uh, which is which I find really fascinating. Well, my my daughter is always turning around and I sort of say something. She says, "Yeah, but I'm not you," and I always Ooh. think that's. Uh, <laughs> That's such a great comeback because it means that you're you, and and if you get oh, that, then gosh. then then great, you know. But it's just wow. that kind of oh, you got me again. You know, you're an I eleven year old it. child, and you're more I wise than it. I'm ever going to be in some respects. <laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> oh, brilliant stuff. So back from those school experiences, which teachers do you remember, and why? Man, I love this question. So, I would have thought it would be difficult for me to think through there's so many teachers whose names i don't remember but there are a few who just pop up every time i think of this question let me start with one her name is mrs delinda brown clark delinda brown clark she was uh, actually more of an academic advisor at morehouse college in atlanta georgia and so when i came over to the united states freshman year I was out of my element. I was a fish out of water. I was the kid with the accent who dressed funny, who wasn't up on the latest pop culture. And I just felt out of sorts. My first semester, my grades were not that good. I was in danger of losing my scholarship. And every time I would walk into the, uh, she was over the engineering program. Every time I'd walk into the engineering office from the back room, she would talk. She had a loud, booming voice. How are you doing, young man? Come on in. You all see this young man? Brilliant. Brilliant. You see him from Nigeria. Oh, I love this kid. Mom, dad, doctor, brilliant. This boy is going places. Come on in here. She would do that every time. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, talk about an introvert. You know, we, we typically don't want to attract attention to ourselves in unfamiliar environments. And she would just bring all this. I, I did not like it at all. But you know what? After a few months of me 
completely doubting myself and doubting doubting my abilities and this strange wonderful weird woman affirming me in front of other people and doing it over and over and over i was like either she's crazy or maybe she's right maybe i am somebody maybe i am going to do something important in this world maybe i am already accomplished and based on her affirmation basing her blind i don't know what it was her blind belief in the fact that i was going to make something of myself i made something of myself when people have high expectations of you sometimes you can't help but to meet those expectations she wasn't asking me to work harder she wasn't asking me to get better grades she treated me like i already had won like i was already the valedictorian my grades never went down again after that semester I think it's brilliant, and and I th- I think it also sort of ties in really well with that kind of the story that you have for yourself as well, doesn't it? You know, even if you think things are not as they seem, you know, having that internal dialogue that's just got your back, you know, sorting yourself out, and 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 how we talk to people generally, you know, you can choose for it to be positive or ne- negative. Yes. You can you yes. can choose how you want to show up, and actually yes. starting with that. I'm going to support you, whether it's supporting yourself or supporting someone else. It's really, like I say, it's incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a father now, I have two sons. They're 12 and 8 years old. And sort of having had the, the fortune of growing up with, with good grades and being academically strong, I realize as an adult that while the, the IQ side of the chart was strong for me, my parents, you know, they didn't know any better. They did the best they could. They didn't really know about building up the EQ, the emotional intelligence side of the chart for me. And I think that's of utmost importance, especially these days as uh, computers and artificial intelligence can continue to advance. The value of being able to memorize, you know, just sort of rote memorization, remembering everything that's in a textbook, the value of that slowly slowly year after year will come down and the value of the the softer skills the human skills will continue to go up so being able to be resilient being able to relate to others being able to empathize knowing how to get the best out of other people all of these things are going to become more and more important and so just to your point I didn't have that internal dialogue when I was a teenager to say, don't worry about what it looks like externally. You, you know, you're still you. and You can do it. Just put your best foot forward. I've, every, every adverse situation was like a disaster to me. And it took me many, many years to build up that resilience. So with my kids now, I'm like, listen, I'm less worried about you being a straight A student. I'm more focused on the work that you're putting in. I'm focusing on the inputs. If you put the work in, if you build good study habits, if you are, if you stay curious, if you keep your growth mindset, not your fixed mindset, I'm not going to tell you you're the smartest in class. I want you to have a growth mind. Be the most hardworking. If you get those inputs right, the outputs will eventually sort themselves out. So we in our house, we don't say you have to get straight A's, but we do say you have to be proactive about doing your homework. You have to take care of your projects, do extra work with everything. 
Like, like if we, if you're practicing piano and your mom says do 10 minutes of piano, put 15 minutes in, right? If you get the growth mindset piece right, the outcomes, scholarships, straight A's, all that stuff will take care of themselves. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice, and I think that's absolutely, absolutely true. And it, it it just reminds me a little bit about the fact that you sort of said about that sort of emotional learning and 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 that it just it, it's a hard thing to get across because it's 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 not tangible only to you and how you feel. But I think what you're saying in terms of how artificial intelligence and computers and all that's going, it people get worried about that because they think oh we're going to lose jobs we're not going to be skilled in what we need to but what it's showing us is the fact that you're going to be more successful if you're more human and if we can be showing up more human to each other then that's got to be a positive thing for the world as far as i can see absolutely who did you admire when you were young ah who did i admire this is always fun to talk about so of course uh, i talked about the the impact the Spider-Man origin story had on me. I admired Stan Lee, uh, who co-created Spider-Man. I also really admired Walt Disney. When I was 10 years old, my, I have an older sibling, a older sister and a younger brother. So when I was 10, my parents saved all their money and flew us all over to Orlando, Florida, to go to Disney World for three days. That, that, was, that was all they could afford. Three days in the U.S. and right back to Nigeria. But those three days were monumental for me. I think I was 10 years old at the time. And just stepping into Magic Kingdom as a child, looking around. I didn't even have to go on any rides, Mark. <laughs> I just stepped in and I was like, this is it. I'm ha- I could die now. I'm happy. I have arrived. And I, after I got home, I was like, one, one man imagined all of that. He didn't build it all himself, but it was born in his mind. And I was like, if one person could imagine all that and bring it to life and make me feel that way, I said, that's what I want to do when I grow up. That's what I want to, I want to make, be able to make kids feel the way I felt when I first stepped foot into Magic Kingdom. And so I've always looked up to Walt Disney, but then I went to school for computer science, as I mentioned, right? (laughs) Both of my parents were, uh, they are doctors. They actually wanted all of their kids to be doctors. Now, my parents grew up, they both grew up very, very poor. My dad grew up in a small village in Nigeria, dirt poverty. Education was his way out. Becoming a doctor was his way out. My mom grew up middle class, but then her dad died young, and she and her six siblings were plunged into poverty. Education was the way out for her as well. Becoming a doctor was the way out. So they wanted their kids to have financial security and stability. Go become doctors. I was like, ah, I don't like the sight of blood. It makes me feel faint. Uh, I'll go with the computer science thing. So I studied computer science, but I still had that seed of how Walt Disney made me feel, Mark. I had that seed still buried somewhere in me. And this is why, you know, it gave me a lot of joy when you shared the story about your daughter saying, but I'm not you, dad. Because as parents, a lot of times it's taken us 30, 40 years to finally figure ourselves out. And we're like, okay, I got the blueprint, kids. All you need to do is follow in my footsteps. But our kids don't need to follow in our exact footsteps because they are unique human beings. We often marvel as parents as to how different our kids can be sometimes from us or or from each other for that matter. So I think the best thing we can do is give our kids principles, right? These are principles to guide you through life. This is what it means to work hard. This is what it means to be compassionate, to be kind, 
this is what it means to have a growth mindset and then allow them to follow or find I should say their own path so I started out with computer science but after being laid off I gotta tell you I was laid off three times mark in a six-year span like I, I was laid off the first time I panicked I got another job in a few months better paying job higher paying job after a couple of years I was laid off again I panicked I got another job better paying job higher paying job within another two years I was later after the third time I like my wife laughed and she was like you should probably go do this um, this cartoon thing that you've always wanted to do in the first place full circle full circle to the spider-man experience and how that changed me as a child full circle to Walt Disney and how stepping into Magic Kingdom changed me as a child. So sometimes kids tell us, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up, and we think they're being childish. But maybe we need to listen a little closer to what the kids are actually aspiring to be. I think that's right, and I, I think you can just hear in your voice the impact of just that ability to feel what it's like to dream and for that to become a realization that's kind of my biggest takeaway from what you were just saying there and the fact that you had those answers all the time like you say you you know the spider-man as you were growing up you know or it being reaffirmed by Mm -hmm. you know feeling what it's like in magic kingdom you know and all that kind of thing and i often think that people talk about you know you, you go and have an experience whether it's disney or you go to the movies or you you go and listen to a concert and you think oh it just takes me out of myself and it's a chance mm. to escape and then i go back into my real world and mm-hmm. i think and i think it's completely the opposite way around i think all these art forms remind you of who you actually are and wow. then if you can keep that and turn that round and realize that that's what i'm after every day in whichever form that comes mm-hmm. then all of a sudden life changes for you Wow, that's that that's brilliant. I love that. I love that. And it's interesting because with me growing up in Nigeria, it wasn't really an option to consider these sort of arts artsy type of careers. Now it might be because of the internet and the world is, you know, becoming more of a global village, but growing up 30 years ago, you know, you could become a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. All wonderful careers and and my parents, or it goes back to having those options. I started off on a very good path because, hey, listen, if I need to fall back on something, I can always go back and get a well-paying job in a corporation working with computers or doing marketing. I have that foundation. No one can take that away from me. I will, you know, I'm never going to starve because I have that education and I have those skills. But I now, having that self-awareness, self-awareness is so important, having that self-awareness and self-knowledge, I now have the choice to go blaze my own path. And goodness, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is that it doesn't work out, and I can tell my kids, you know what, your dad gave it his best shot. Your dad gave it his best shot, but at least I was able to give it a shot. So I think having that foundation of education is so important because it opens doors for you. It gives you those options. But at some point, parents, we need to let our kids stop living for us and start living for themselves. We still got to give them that foundation because as kids, they're not always going to make sound long-term decisions. So we still have to guide them along. We got to keep the guardrails on up to a certain age, but with the knowledge that they can't keep those guardrails on forever. 
Yeah, I think I think that that's incredibly true. I I always look at it in terms of you know the reason I didn't let you run in the road when you were a toddler and you really wanted to is because <laughs> I have the experience of knowing yes. that only only one thing's going to come off better in if there's a car in you and and you yes know, and I know that's the case <laughs> and. And as they get older, especially as they start to get into their teens, it's that kind of, I don't know everything and I might not be right, but my experience tells me that there are certain things that are worth exploring or thinking about before you jump off the deep end kind of thing. Um, And and it's interesting as you have to start to let some of those things go because obviously they're getting older, they have to learn from their own mistakes and like you say, they've got their own places to follow. But within that, it's a very interesting kind of dynamic there as you start to meander through that world of kind of, I still think this is just a step too far. I am still your parent. (laughs) And at the same time, I know this is where you want to head. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because my dad, for example, um, he, he made a lot of career decisions early on that his parents weren't crazy about. But in retrospect, it turned out to be really good. So I, I think if if we can give our kids that strong foundation, especially for decision-making and and character, if you can instill in your kids the sort of values that you you have, when they get to those forks in the road and they have to choose, you can have some level of confidence that they're not gonna stray too far away from your value set. Now, they don't have your experience or your wisdom yet, so they might not ultimately make the exact same decision, but as long as it's not life or death, if they have that same value set or a similar value set that you have, you can be like, okay, listen, they can recover from this. If, they, if, you know, if it goes wrong, they can recover from it. The challenge comes in, I think, when you have kids that grow up without a solid foundation or a solid anchor. And so when they get exposed to the world, you, you throw these kids out on social media, they're twisting in the wind. They're going to go any which way. They're going to follow you know, what's, what's the popular thing of the moment. And that's when kids can get into really, really dangerous situations themselves. But as parents, we really got to work on building up our kids' character. Goodness, schools don't have enough time to work in all of the character lessons that our kids need to learn. But our kids need to be getting this from a young age throughout their childhood. Yeah, and I I think there are a few things which all come together there. One is the fact that you, you take what you've got in your life, don't you, that if you've got if you've got parents that are able to really show you that way then that's absolutely brilliant but that might not be the case um but uh, but at the same time like you said you you had a teacher that even though you didn't know it at the time was giving you something invaluable you know you might you might have a mentor around either in in a in a club you're involved in or within a school or something like that all these people have got something to give you and something to share with you. Yes. And, and and I think what you said before about being self-aware and actually just understanding that everything's part of one fabric and that the texture of all of it together is the difference. If you're aware of all of that, then you'll be guided in a way that can support that. And like I say, then you've got the anchors to understand, yeah, this is where I want to go. This is where mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go. And the other thing is interesting is exactly... I guess as parents, but also as teachers as well, is what we show by actually doing something rather than wow. just by, just by what we say. So just wow. ta- just take us a little bit into kind of what your life actually 
sort of day-to-day looks like like I say I can imagine your corporate world and going and doing your nine to five and your computer science but probably less easy to to think how now being involved in comics actually looks in, in your sort of the, the life that you're actually demonstrating for your children Oh, yeah, that's a brilliant question. So it's it's fascinating because my 12-year-old son, my older son, is very much introverted like myself. He is mortified if you ask him to speak in front of strangers. Or, you know, once he gets to know you, then he's very comfortable. My younger son is like my wife. He's a social butterfly, life of the party, lights up a room, doesn't know a stranger, right? And so it, what you talk about modeling and what my life looks like i've realized that my kids are watching me right now my kids are so spoiled in a good way they're so spoiled because they're used to their dad being at home every day they get home from school and dad is already there a lot of kids don't necessarily have that benefit but to them that now becomes normal to my kids it's now normal to get home and immediately play soccer or football in the living room with dad or you know to play chess with dad at three o'clock or 3 30 in the afternoon that's become normal to them i i have the uh, the honor of coaching my kids in soccer at least my younger son i coach him now he's eight and i coach him in soccer my schedule is so full that it's actually a stretch for me to say okay two times a week i'm gonna take out 90 minutes and go uh, corral 12 uh, you know, rambunctious young boys uh, on a grass field and teach them soccer. But I'm getting to spend quality time with my eight-year-old, which is invaluable. So in terms of what my schedule looks like, uh, a lot of times after I drop the kids off at school, I come back home and I'm working on, for those who might be entrepreneurs, you probably know that we tend to wear a lot of hats. And so I'm most happy when I'm wearing my creative hats. I'm creating a new superhero character. I'm writing a new book or I'm writing a new song. I've started to create um, hip hop music for my kids because I was kind of dismayed at the fact that I grew up listening to hip hop music. In the 90s, hip hop music, a lot of it was about fun and partying and stuff. It's a little darker now. Mm. So like, I want my kids to like hip hop music too, but there's no way I'm letting them listen to the stuff that's popular right now. So we started making our own fun little music that, that's kid-friendly, parent-approved. So I might be coming up with ideas for a new song, or I might be um, talking to some of the local schools about coming out to do a talk. A lot of my time is actually spent giving uh, on-stage presentations. Me, the shy kid. The kid who had social anxiety. I speak for a living. What is that's too ironic. It's too ironic. But it's interesting. You talked about how you grew up with a passion for music, Mark. And I realized that even though I had this social anxiety, that social anxiety went away whenever I got to talk about comic books. Whenever I got to talk about superheroes, whenever I got to talk about self-awareness and self-discovery and finding your own heroic journey, it was like that that anxiety just disappeared. Now, I got to tell you, even as a 40-plus-year-old man, after when, when I'm on stage, 
is fire. I'm entertaining. Uh, you know, I'm charismatic. When I get off that stage, that social anxiety comes right back, Mark. It comes right back. But you know what, though? Now I embrace it because it's part of who I am. I'm not ashamed of it anymore because it empowers kids who have social anxiety. And it tells them that regardless of, of those feelings that you have on the inside, they don't have to determine your fate, your outcome. Spider-Man wasn't perfect. To, to this day, Spider-Man's my favorite hero. He's not the most powerful one, right? He, he cracks the bad puns all the time. Even even the bad jokes that he cracks, those are like a, a self-defense mechanism because he feels awkward. Even when he's fighting bad guys, he feels awkward and has to crack jokes. But he still, <laughs> he still fulfills his destiny. He still has a heroic story. And so... Sometimes I'm writing books, sometimes I'm coaching kids, sometimes I'm out speaking to teachers or to kids. The whole time, I'm still that young, awkward Peter Parker doing the best I can. But I know that, listen, with great power comes great responsibility. And so I'm doing the best to put my great power into the world every day. Yeah, I love that, Blanche. It's, it's uh, absolutely, yeah, it's inspiring. And I, and I think that's the thing. And I, and I think, like you said, if people can see either side of you whether you're the super the superhero on stage or whether you're the, still the shy kid when you come off and say hello in person <laughs> you know that's great because then we can start to see the rounded character and the reality of of how all those things fit together which i absolutely love what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you there's one piece of advice that comes back to me uh there's, there's two that i'll share one is from one of my favorite authors He's a nonfiction author, Seth Godin. Uh, he's an American uh, market, marketer and blogger. Brilliant guy. And he gave this really simple but poignant statement. Do stuff that matters. Do stuff that matters. Now, what does that mean? Most of the stuff that we do in life doesn't matter. Most of it doesn't matter. When we think back, whether you're a young person listening, you know, you might be 14, 15, 16, you think back 10 years, or if you're a parent, you're an adult, you're a teacher, you think back 20, 30 years, all the stuff that gave you anxiety, all the stuff that gave you stress, all the stuff you spent so much time on, most of it fades into the background. And there are just a few things that matter. The person that was kind to you, when you were 10 years old, right? The guy that stood up for you on the playground, the teacher that gave you a comforting word. Very few things matter, but the things that matter, matter a whole lot. And so Seth Godin saying, do stuff that matters, basically challenges me to say, don't get caught up. Don't, don't major in minor things, right? Do not major in minor things. Find the things that matter in your life, like my coaching my eight-year-old son in soccer. I told my wife, I can't do it. That, my schedule is crazy. I'm like sleep-deprived here trying to do all this stuff. She's like, this is important. You need to do it. And so I did it, and it's just – it is the highlight of my week, getting to see my boy light up when he gets together with his 11 friends or when he's frustrated and in tears because I know that frustration is not going to learn forever and this is a growth moment that he's going through. That matters. That matters. Finding the things that matter, the relationships that matter, 
that is the ultimate. And so I, I, I won't even bring in the second the second quote. I'll just leave you guys with that one. Do stuff that matters. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And what advice would you give your younger self now? Mm. <laughs> My younger angsty self. <laughs> My younger self. I, I, I remember... Uh, I'll answer this in a roundabout way. I remember uh, my mom picking me up from school one day. I must have been maybe in uh, maybe seventh grade, and I was just down in the dumps, head down, shoulders slumped, and she was like, "What's wrong?" And I said, "I'm depressed." Now, now my mom is a doctor, so you, you know, saying you're depressed to your buddies is one thing. Saying you're depressed to a doctor. No, she was alarmed. <laughs> she was like, whoa, what's going on? You know, I, I, I couldn't really vocalize what was going on to her, though. But later on, now, I, parents, I don't know where you stand on, on this on this issue. I, I had a diary at the time. Later on, uh, my little brother, I think it was uh, later that night, he came to me. He was like, hey, do you have jokes written in your diary? I'm like, who writes jokes in the diary? No, I don't have jokes in my diary. Why? He said, oh, because... Mom read your diary and she was laughing. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was mortified. So my mom my mom was that concerned. She doesn't make a habit, didn't make a habit of reading my diary. But she was that concerned that she took a peek in my diary entry for that day. And I had said the girl that I had a, a crush on, I said hi to her. And she said nothing back. And my life was over at that point. I told you I was an angsty kid, Mark. Was... <laughs> Listen, us socially anxious kids, though, we don't get that type of courage every day. I said hi, and she blew me off. But to answer the question more directly, the advice I would give my younger self is to hold. I don't know if you guys, uh, or Mark, if you, if you remember the Braveheart movie that came out maybe 10, 20 years ago with Mel Gibson. Yep. There's this wonderful scene where... He, he's holding the line, and he's come up with a strategy where he and his army, they don't have horses. The opposing army all have horses, and they're about to charge. And, of course, if you don't have horses and you're fighting against uh, an army with horses, you've got no chance. And so what Mel Gibson's character came up with, I think William Wallace, is they dug a trench, and they hid in that trench, and they hid with spears. And they said, we're going to let the horses get as close to us as possible so we can see the whites in their eyes. And when the horses get that close, we're going to thrust the spears up and dislodge the riders from those horses. And so as the horses approached and as the horses galloped toward these these uh, brave soldiers, they started to get scared and they started to panic. And William Wallace said, hold and the horses were galloping and thundering and get closing, uh, closer. And, and, and William Wallace said, hold. And that's what I would tell my younger self. Hold. The path is not going to be easy, but hold. There isn't going to be a shortcut. Hold. You're about to fail way more than you could ever have imagined. But hold. Your complete confidence in everything you thought you were good at is going to be stripped. But hold. Success is on the other side of failure. You've got to persevere. Don't give up. The race does not go to the swift, but to the brave. you got to hold. Because if you can hold, if you can hold on to that dream, 
that you had when you were 10 years old or 16 years old or 21 years old. One way or another, one day you're going to get there, but only if you hold. Life, life is not easy. I got to tell you, resilience is like, it's almost like the number one character trait that we could give. It's the number one gift that we could give to our kids, maybe behind self-awareness. If you don't have resilience, you're not going to make it. You're going to settle. You're going to accept mediocrity in your life. And the world needs you to be the best you that you can be. So hold. That's the advice I'll give my younger self. I love it. Absolutely love it. I think that's, and I think, as I said, it's hearing those things. And you can just, as as we've been chatting for this amount of time, hearing the stories of, of your background and where you've got to and the things that you've been through, it's such a, an important part of your story and uh, I can really see and certainly in terms of my life as well you know it's exactly that just when you want to give up just keeping going just standing firm just allowing it to be what it is and then getting through that just it makes all the difference I think it's it's incredibly powerful advice there yeah thank you thank you what does your future look like (laughs) that's a great question (laughs) I don't know but I'll tell you what I would like for it to look like though For me, I aspire probably a couple of things. One, for my kids. I want my kids to see their dad going all in, to see their dad giving it his all, to see their dad chasing his dream. Whether or not I attain that dream, Mark, is not the point. If my kids see me chasing my big, audacious, ridiculous dream, When they have their own unique, big, audacious, ridiculous dream, they're going to go for it. They're going to remember their dad being 40 years old and still going for it. They're going to remember their dad being 50 years old and the naysayer saying, this is silly or this is childish or there's no way you're ever going to get it done and still pushing through. And I think that's the best legacy that I could give my kids. A lot of times people want to leave an inheritance for their kids. They want to leave money. They want to leave properties. They want to, and all that stuff is good. Yes, please definitely do that stuff. But if you think about it, most people who win the lottery end up broke again within about a decade. So material wealth is not what I want to gift my kids. I want to gift them the belief that they can write themselves into their own heroic story. And goodness, whenever we watch our favorite movie, Mark, whether it's a cartoon or a thriller or fantasy fiction or adventure, whatever type of movie it is, how boring would that movie be if at the beginning of the movie, the hero starts with a goal and takes a straight path to that goal, no obstructions, no hills, no valleys, no no struggles, nothing. That would be the most boring movie. So I'm not wishing on my kids that they not have adversity. I'm wishing on my kids that they be strong enough to get through the adversity. So so my future looks like me striving and straining and pushing toward this goal. When I I was a kid, I said one day I want to be the next Walt Disney. And until I die, I'm going to keep saying that to myself. I may never get there, but it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. So I don't know what the journey is going to look like, but I can tell you what that North Star looks like. That North Star looks like a 10-year-old Nigerian kid traveling halfway across the world, setting foot on Magic Kingdom and saying, this just changed my life. And if I can do that for one child, that's what I want my future to look like. 
What podcast, book, video, film, song or, or resource has had the biggest impact on your life and why was that? Lovely. So the Chronicles of Narnia was my favorite book series growing up. I love C.S. Lewis's stuff. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all the way on down. That series really spoke to me because I think that was the first time that I was both entertained and educated at the same time. I was both entertained and inspired. C.S. Lewis did not give me a direct message, but through reading the fiction, through reading the story, I came out with the moral of the story. I came out with the lesson that he was trying to convey. And I think that's so powerful because as teachers, as instructors, as mentors, as parents, we have the best intentions when we have a lesson that we want to teach. The thing is, we can't teach, imagine somebody trying to teach you a lesson, a very, very valuable lesson in a language that you don't speak. I'm trying to teach you something, Mark, and I'm speaking Latin, and I'm just doing my darndest, and I'm being so earnest in teaching the lesson. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, uh, I can see you're really working hard. I, I don't get it. So C.S. Lewis was able to speak in my language, and that actually informed how I parent. It informed how I write my fiction. It informed how I create my music and how I speak to kids. You got to speak to people in their own language. So Chronicles of Narnia was just the example um, that stuck with me. Yeah, I, I, I can really see that. And, and, and it's, that's really struck a chord me, just listening to you talk about that, just in terms of it needs to be something that you're storying together, doesn't it? And it doesn't matter what you're trying to get impart. It really is just that it's that joint journey we've been talking about journey and story and and all of that together i think that that, that wraps it up really nicely is a is a is a great thread as we've gone through this so um what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or to find out more details about you and all the work that you're doing now oh uh, folks can visit me at my website it is brave young heroes.com that's brave young h-e-r-o-e-s Dot com and you can find all the links to my social stuff on there and everything we're doing a lot of fun stuff these days with not only the hip-hop music but we're starting to create music videos uh, with a bunch of kids so you know we everything that we do is kid-centered we're basically trying to help kids discover their own superpowers so they can go change the world and so braveyoungheroes.com is my vehicle for doing that yeah, that's fantastic and we'll have links to all these things on the show notes for this particular episode and to get all of that you just go to educationonfire.com and in the search bar just write Balaji and um, all that will pop up for you thank you Balaji for sharing your wisdom and for allowing us to learn from your wonderful experiences Mark thank you for everything you're doing for kids for young people for families for educators you're really a man on a mission and I appreciate you Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.